This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Roundball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, May 9th, and today we're going to be bringing you the latest takeaways from the NBA playoffs this past weekend and looking ahead into this week. We'll also be continuing our season in review, our fantasy season in review, that is, with a breakdown of the fifth round of fantasy leagues. Plus, as an added bonus, we have one of Dr. A's Tales from the Attic coming up later for those of you who are listening on the podcast. As I welcome in Mr. Attic himself, Steve Alexander. Steve, it's another Monday. It's sometime in May. The playoffs continue on. How was your weekend? Matt, it was it was pretty good. Played put a little golf on Saturday. That did not go. Traded. That did not go very well. Um, Sunday's M- Mother's Day, as you know, and I've heard we, we try to do something nice for my wife every year, and somehow it yeah. always gets screwed up. And this year was no exception. <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's a long story, but just say if we, I just need to give up in trying to find places for us to eat and places to take her Ooh. on mother's day because it never goes as planned oh no so you, let me guess you I'm retiring tr- you tried to go get brunch you did not have a, re- have a reservation you show up and it was an hour and 15 minute wait and everyone was disgruntled frustrated Dude. why didn't we get a reservation and that's what happened such such a great call, but it's quite the opposite. We had oh, wow. a reserve. Okay. We had a reservation. Wow. My wife was like, "I don't want to go. I don't like what's on their menu, and it's going to cost Ooh. a bazillion dollars." So I'm friends, of course, with the person that runs the thing, and I text her. I'm like, "Dude, she doesn't want to do it. Let's just cancel it. We'll do something else." She's like, "Oh no, I'm going to leave your. T- I'm going to leave your reservation open. You guys can just keep the table and grab a pizza or something." And it was just, it was a disaster. That was a bad, it was a, I was given bad advice. Wait, grab a pizza from somewhere else and bring it to the restaurant? Well, it's at the like, winery. It's at the winery. They've got a little pizza kitchen down in the back. Okay. Like there, there's gotcha. a spot out on the back for the pizza eaters. And then gotcha. there's a spot inside the building for the actual people who pay for brunch, pay the big money. Gotcha. Well, I was at a big money table. But I didn't have uh, my my friend wasn't our server and I, there was it was just it was just not people were looking at you funny for eating pizza at the big money table. I, they were going to if I walked up there with a pizza. Let's just put it that way. Got it. I, well, so I we, think we all knew going into this that we should not even be going out there based on what we were looking to do. Uh, yeah, but we. Tough. I, I just choked. I should have said no. I'm just not not strong enough. All right. Well, better next year. Good luck. Good luck to you. Thank forward. you. I'll need it. We have some news. Before we get into the playoff takeaways, we have some regular season news. That is that Nikola Jokic, as you probably heard by now, if you're watching this podcast or watching this podcast, listening to this podcast, has won his second straight MVP award, Steve. And you were telling me beforehand that uh, at least one of your Sixers fans, fan friends, is not pleased about this. You've heard me mention P. Apples in the in the past. He's a big Sixers yeah. guy. And he, he got on Facebook and said that... Uh, Jokic getting the award over Joel Embiid was, quote, a disgrace. Wow. I said, Strong. I mean, disgrace? Strong really? Words. I mean, the guy averaged a lot of a lot of points and a lot of rebounds and a lot of assists and yeah. doubled up Joel Embiid's assists, which is really what I think separates the two. Um, yeah, Embiid won the scoring title, had more points, but I don't know. Like you said to me, Matt, this is not a – playoff award it's a regular season award they voted on this a long time ago you take Embiid off the Sixers they're going to be terrible but they probably win more games than Denver wins without uh, Jokic yeah I mean it's just for me personally not being a fan of either team it's just a hard thing for me to I'm I probably would feel the same way if I was a Sixers fan but it's just hard for me to get too fired up and and upset about a guy winning the award when when that guy averaged 27 points 14 rebounds and eight assists rounding up I mean 
it's a spectacular season. They both had spectacular seasons, you know? Giannis had a great season as well. Uh, there are worthy candidates, and uh, I understand why P. Apples is frustrated. I get it. <laughs> Embiid, Embiid played a career-high 68 games, too. It's like, if not now, then when is he going to get it? So I understand. I think we, I think you and I have to move ahead because we have other things to cover. Like the Celtics taking a heartbreaking loss to the Bucks on Saturday, Matt? Sure. Is that is that where you want to go? Is that where you want to go with this, Steve? I don't know. This is your show. I'm just I'm just here. <laughs> I mean, what's funny is I was going to give you a chance to talk about the Mavs first first things first, and you just want to talk about the Celtics. Oh, you I'm want to jump shocked. straight into Mother's Day Sunday. Yeah, let, let's let's talk about Sunday's games and then let's talk about what's coming up on Monday. So the Mavs and the Suns, Steve, you probably know this, are while you were eating shortly after you finished your incredibly awkward brunch, the Mavs tied up this series on a day where Luka Doncic shot nine for 25 from the floor, one for 10 on threes, but he was bailed out by playoff legend Dorian Finney-Smith, who had 24 points, eight rebounds, and shot eight of 12 on three-pointers, Steve. That was something else that went wrong yesterday, as I had made the comment earlier in the day that I will be at Johnny B's watching Luka at 3.30, with or without all you people. But then by the time 3.30 rolled around, it was like... um I'm not going to Johnny B's. We're going to go, we're going to go hang out at my daughter's house and eat some food over there. Do mother's day hang time over there. Now, thank, thankfully, Matt, you know, these, these kids that don't have real TV, they stream everything. I was like, am I going to be able to watch Luca at my daughter's house? I was really concerned about it, but it actually happened. It happened. I was able to watch Luca and the Mavericks kind of dominate that whole game. Chris Chris Paul fouls out. Uh, very, yeah. very early in that game. Four four fouls that happened for the first time this season for Chris Paul. That was sort of the key. And then, like you said, Dodo, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith went crazy. It, it seemed like every time I looked up, a Maverick was hitting a wide-open three-pointer in the first half. And then they showed Luka's like one of ten from three. So everybody was hitting yeah. them except for Luka. Yeah, the Mavs started out something like 12 of 18 on threes to begin that game. And the Chris Paul, a couple of those fouls seemed a little iffy to me <laughs> on uh, on Chris Paul. I'm just going to say, in a, in a playoffs where the refereeing just continues to be in the spotlight, but what are you going to do? That's what that's what I was going to say, man, to your comment. Like, every foul I see seems shaky, and then the yeah. no calls look like fouls. Like, I don't know, man. I, I really have very little faith in these referees right now it's just been weak yeah super frustrating to watch um meanwhile the sixers and the heat are now tied 2-2 philly won two straight at home and got a huge game from playoff james harden steve 31 points seven rebounds nine assists a playoff high only the second time with the sixers he has topped 30 points and that is that is a big deal for philly if they are getting the real james harden back well, he hit those two huge threes late in that game to kind of put it away. He was howling at the moon. Everybody was going crazy. <laughs> and both of these series, both of these Sunday series, uh, the the road team was down 2-0 after the, the first yep. two, and now they're, they're all square. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in game five for the Suns with Chris Paul coming back super angry about only being mm-hmm. allowed to play half that game. The Mavericks kind of riding high. I, I think I would probably be betting the Suns if I was going to bet um, game five. And then same with the the Heat have to be in shell shock now that Joel Embiid is back. And he looks mm-hmm. he looks kind of unstoppable. And if playoff James is going to be here, then the Sixers could pull off a huge series win there. Well, and Steve, that's why I've been saying it's such a disgrace that Embiid didn't win the MVP award. I mean, look at the impact this guy has had on this series alone. Jimmy Butler, let's not forget he had 40 points yeah. in that game, had a had a, a masterful performance, but he didn't get a lot out of out of his guards. Like this whole Kyle Lowry thing. I don't think Kyle Lowry and I are ever gonna be the same again. Yeah, he reportedly re-injured that hamstring, by the way, and I think his status is now in question for Game 5 based on what I was seeing on NBC Sports Edge prior to us coming on the air here. And also, I saw something on, I think it was on StatMuse, the old StatMuse Twitter account, that 
Philly, I, I, Miami is some horrendous number shooting threes the last couple games, and Duncan Robinson has played, I think, one minute in this series. Uh, Duncan Robinson makes a lot of money to not be playing in this series. So Duncan Robinson got paid last year. Now they won't even play him. Struess starts, and he was two of five for six points. And and then Tyler Hero, if Tyler Hero's not going off the heat, I, I think Tyler Hero might be the, the key to that team. Like, Butler and Adebayo did what they needed to do, but they needed that third third guy to step up. And Harrow's mm-hmm. usually that guy. He he wasn't there, so that that hurt. It's funny the 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 ripple effect of Embiid being back. You know, it's like all of a sudden Philly's third and fourth options are Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey. I mean, that's pretty. That's a dangerous team. It turns out this team looks better with Embiid, with Embiid there. Yeah, fourteen for sixty-five. Albert Mariquin, who's who's listening, and thank you, Albert. The Heat are fourteen for sixty-five from three the last two games. That's the stat that I was referencing, but did not have written down. And I would have said fourteen for sixty-eight if I'd guessed. So, well, Albert we is the actual there. Information. Albert's there Albert's to on pick it. up our slack. Albert's on it. Uh, it's big time. That's that's clutch. Okay. Yeah. Now now let's turn to what's coming up on Monday night. We know it's the Warriors and Grizzlies. Warriors leading two games to one. Obviously, no John Morant there. All of the drama this weekend with the Morant knee injury, Steve. The Jordan Poole play that has been much discussed, where Poole grabbed at the knee, etc. He says he didn't mean to do it. NBA didn't discipline, you know, didn't didn't assess anything. What, what are your thoughts on all this? All this madness in this series. I mean, if you look at the replay of Jordan Poole kind of swiping at Jaw's knee on his way down, it looked like he barely even touched him. Like, my daughter was saying something like, it seems like these NBA players are always just a just an inch away from having their career ended, yet, you know, us, when we were kids and we were going to park and rec and playing basketball, you could we could take just these crazy shots and get pop right back up and run down the court, so... I don't know. I I didn't. I don't think Jordan Poole was trying to hurt John Moran. If you, if you're going to try to hurt somebody, I think you do something more than swipe at their knee on your way down. But the fact that that was enough to do it is is pretty scary, and it it sucks for the Memphis Grizzlies, man. Like that's that's tough. Yeah, it's a brutal spot to be in. And by the way, did you just say that you are essentially tougher than most NBA players? Was that what I was to take away from? No, my daughter was saying that. she was she is tougher than most okay. NBA players. Got it. Got She's it. like, if somebody okay. did that to my knee when I was in fifth, sixth grade, I would have popped. I'm sure I would have popped right back up. But it's different when you're a pro athlete. They, they, I don't know what she was trying to say exactly, but she's saying no, that I, pro athletes have have. She's saying that pro athletes have weak knees. Is that what she's saying? That that essentially is what it comes down to. What do you think? What do you think of that replay of that shot? Did it look like much to you? It looks. I mean, I once you start watching it more and more, you kind of find yourself thinking, "Well, how did he swipe and miss the ball by that much?" But then again, I mean, it's we're seeing it in super slow motion. And in real time, like you're swiping at the ball, you can easily miss the ball by a fair amount, you know, when you're trying to swipe at it. So it's just hard to imagine that the guy would go after his knee on purpose. But it's also understandable why Memphis is so frustrated. And and when you kind of when you slow down that play and look at it, it does look kind of weird. But I think I would err on the side of giving the benefit of the doubt to be like that he wouldn't take a shot at the guy's knee like that. And he said he didn't, and the league didn't find anything, you know, wrong with that play in particular. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We have more to come, more playoff talk, and we're going to review the fifth round of fantasy. First, we're going to take a quick break. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs, Premier League, on the PGA Tour, and NASCAR circuit. We also have a very special edition of NBC Sports Edge's A Good Football Show following the NFL schedule release on Thursday night. Join Sarah Perlman, Pat Doherty, Drew Dinsick, and Pat Corain on Friday at noon Eastern as they dig into marquee matchups, analyze team win totals, and predict who we think will be crowned divisional champions in 2022. And by the way, that reminds me, this week our schedule, which I should have mentioned before, is Monday, Wednesday, Thursday because of that episode of Good Football Show. So we will see you Wednesday as usual and Thursday instead of Friday this week. And Steve is back after a little, we had some internet glitching. I think we're looking good now. Why don't you talk to me and tell me how you're sounding? It was a little laggy there for a second. little laggy. I think we're I think we're in a better place now though. I'm feeling good about it. But as I was gonna say, I I generally take Saturday Saturday evenings off, so I didn't I didn't really see the John Morant knee injury play until Sunday at my daughter's house. Her, her boyfriend was showing it to me, and I think I was looking at it on his phone, mm-hmm. and I watched it like three times. So I haven't really done a deep dive. Uh, I just at first glance, it just didn't look like much. From what I saw, but I'm I'm going to when we're done here, I'm going to take a deep dive into that into that okay. injury and good and it out. and please do send your findings to the league office just in case they're significant. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Steve, you came in here all apparently all fired up to talk about this Boston Milwaukee series, which kind of surprised me. Not, not nothing against that series. I mean, it's intriguing as well. But I again, I thought you were going to be ready to talk about Dallas. Apparently, you wanted to talk about Boston. Not really. I just I, I'm just the chronological order kind of ah. guy. So I thought we were going to thought we were going to go through the early Saturday game, the late Saturday game, yeah. the early Sunday game, the late Sunday game, then get to where we are right now. But you you don't work. You work in a different. Well, you're you're more like I'm going to ignore Saturday and tie that into what's happening on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Smart way to do it. I support it. I Thank I you. was just on a different. Was on a different. Tele- telepathy tele- wavelength I was on wavelength? a different tangent yeah i don't know i was i was on a different something yeah uh trajectory trajectory, trajectory. i think that's what different I telepathy for. yes for sure but boston milwaukee monday night at milwaukee boston's in a one two hole here this yep. is this is crucial this is this is the series as this they is, say this is the big one steve this is the big one <laughs> If Milwaukee wins tonight, I think the series is over. Yeah, that's fair. If Boston wins tonight, then they go back to Boston, and the winner of that game may win the series. I don't know. It's it's a it's a great series. It's a fun yeah. matchup. As everybody is. thought it would be. Celtics are all up in arms about this Marcus Smart rip through. Play. Yeah, Matt, what are your what's your take on that one? I felt like he was shooting the ball. I felt like it was pretty obvious he was going up to shoot. And, and the, the Celtics are all like, look at the scoreboard. Look at the situation. He had to shoot there. That's the point. In what world would he not be shooting right there? Right, right. That, I, I, think the Celt- I think the Celtics have a, a real gripe there. And as someone who watches Trey Young all, all season long not get some of those calls where there are plays, and not to make this too much about Trey Young, but there are plays where Trey Young goes ahead and shoots it anyways, and he doesn't get the call. And it's a horrendous miss. So I don't know why the league doesn't give him the benefit of the doubt because he is shooting it on those plays. And and I believe it was the same thing with Marcus Smart there. Like you said, the clock, the game situation, he was shooting that ball. Why? Like a pass there would have, what was it, four something seconds left, right? Yeah. I mean, he had he he borderline had to shoot that. It was an upward shooting motion. I mean, I just don't understand. I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. And and to your point with with Trey, I mean Luca has had so much trouble getting and one calls, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his whole career. Like they, for some reason, these referees, especially with, with Luca and Trey, I feel like, and then it, it filters down to a guy like Marcus smart in the playoffs. They're just so sensitive now about guys trying to get one over on them yeah. and, and fake their way into a, and one or a shooting foul. And, you know, it's either a shooting foul or it's not. We shouldn't be as worried about whether we're getting juked or not. Yeah. I mean, luckily, the 
the games are still so good, but man, the the refereeing is distracting and it's frustrating and and all that. So, and if I was a Celtics fan, I'd be a lot more upset about that play than I would be being a Sixers fan and having Jokic win the MVP award. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Let's let's do our fifth round of fantasy leagues from this past season. The last four weeks, we've done the first round, second round, third round, and fourth round. What? Did we not need to? Did we not need to mention the greatness of Jordan Poole? Would you like to? Would you like to have a moment here? He's amazing. He probably should have won the Most Improved Player Award. Him or Desmond Bain. I know it's not a playoff award, but man, he's been so good. I I did not think that Jordan Poole would be making all the other great players on Golden State afterthoughts at this point, but he's so good. 27 points, 27 points in that 30 point win over the weekend. Okay. Now we're ready. You ready to press ahead? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So we've done the first round, second round, third round, fourth round, the last four weeks now to the fifth. And again, this is per game production in nine category leagues. Last week, I had a little bit of a goof where I accidentally included the playoff numbers in the fantasy rankings because you can do that on basketballmonster.com. This week, we're not. This is just regular season production. And Steve, one theme about this round is it's interesting. This is a round with a lot of good players, but it's not necessarily a round that had a ton of fantasy upside, which I guess kind of makes sense since we're in the fifth round now. But let's just go through these guys. Number 49 on a per-game basis was John Collins who averaged around, just going to round up or down here, 16 points, 8 rebounds, a block, 1.2 threes, a couple assists, you know, typical good percentages and low turnovers for Collins. I mean, my feeling about Collins is, you know, there is a 20 and 10 guy in there, Steve, but I think with the current build of this Hawks roster, 16 and 8 is probably what you're going to get. You know, Collins is also a guy who in theory could get traded. I don't want to think about that right now because it'd be too upsetting to me personally but in a different situation I think he can be a 20 and 10 guy on the Hawks as they're constructed I think he's a 16 and 8 guy and this is really right spot on where he should probably be drafted well in the 54 games uh hurt yeah that was not that was not a pleasant experience fell apart at the end and it's I don't know if you can I don't know (laughs) expectations for this guy three years ago were through the roof I mean you took him in the first or second round in a draft we were hyping him as someone that we should be taking that high has never lived up to the hype honestly had that whole weird contract situation with Atlanta you know over the last couple years and is he going to be there is he not what happens to John Collins on another team I'm I'm probably just staying away from John Collins in drafts this upcoming year. Okay. I'm just going to tell you as far as you never lived up to the hype comment. In the 2019-2020 season, he averaged – well, granted, that was, I think, the season where he served his suspension. But when he played 41 games, 21.6 points, 10.1 rebounds, 0.8 steals, 1.6 blocks, that guy is still in there somewhere. I just think some combo of the How Hawks. How many games? Uh, 41. How many games? 41. Should have won, should have won the MVP award that year. Got robbed. Okay, <laughs> let's move to <clears throat> number 50. We talked about this guy last week because of my snafu. Damian Lillard was a number 50 player in nine category leagues on a per-game basis in his 29 games dealing with that abdominal injury. I don't think we need to rehash too much of what we said last week. I think you were saying if we're getting a full bill of health on Lillard, he's back to being like a borderline first-round guy for you. I doubt I'll take him in for the first, but yeah. I think anytime, anytime between ten and twenty mm-hmm. is is Dame time. Yeah, baby, he's a, it's a borderline borderline cheat code potentially in fantasy next year if he can go back to top ten and you can get him in the second round because of all the injuries this year. That that is a a big bet that could pay off. I think for fantasy managers, and the fact that that. He that injury had been lingering there for like two years, or mm-hmm. maybe, maybe even longer than that. And they finally took care of it. Hopefully, he got it fixed. If he's good to go, if he's a hundred percent coming into the season, he he's going to be a steal, no matter where he goes. Robert Covington, different story here, was number fifty-one on a per-game basis because of what Robert Covington does. You know, one point five steals, one point three blocks, one point eight threes, while only averaging eight and a half points per game in his seventy-one games. He has a new two-year deal with the Clippers, I believe. But Steve, it's hard for me to 
make Rocco like the fifth guy for me in a draft. I mean, you, I, you know, I think he can put up this kind of value because of those steals, blocks, and threes. But you have to try to take him later. You can't, you can't draft him based on his his production. I don't. Well, think. Y- y- you need Rocco to score some points for you, and Rocco especially in his current situation, just does not score points. Yeah. And when he does, it's an aberration and everybody's like, whoa, where where did that come from? That was weird. But, you know, he a few years ago, you know, when he was with the Sixers mm-hmm. and then later on when he was with the, the Rockets mm-hmm. and early Portland, there was a time when he could score 13, 14 points a game mm-hmm. and throw in all those other numbers. And and not shoot it so horrifically from the floor, but I feel like those days are past. I think Rocco, for me, if he's sitting there in like the eighth or ninth round, I'll take him as like a glue guy to mm-hmm. bolster my my blocks and my steals and threes. But I don't know it. Yeah, it seems like he almost does as much harm as as he does good. I mean, no, I I would I would I would want to have him on a fantasy roster, but I'm with you on the you know see if he could see if he'd fall that far. Eight and a half points the last two seasons is what he's averaged. So it seems like for the foreseeable future, until proven otherwise, the days of you know, 12, 13 points per game, Rocco might be gone. OG Ananobi, 52 in nine category leagues, finished around 17 points per game, five and a half boards, two and a half assists, one and a half steals, two and a half threes. Of course, he missed a bunch of games, Steve. What was it? 34? Did he miss 34 games this year? I think he did. So that's kind of crushing. This is a guy I'm probably fairly comfortable with in this range. I, I, I mean, I guess I would have liked to see a little more ceiling from him, but he's still pretty good. I don't understand how he missed that many games. Doesn't feel like he missed that many. And then last season, the season before this one, he only played in 43 games. Yeah. Um, so that's two two seasons in a row where he's only played a half season. That's, yeah, troubling. That's highly concerning. But the other thing is this dude has just been on a upward trajectory. His, his scoring has increased every single year. Mm-hmm. The steals are at 1.5 for basically three years in a row, which yeah. is pretty awesome. He, he gets enough blocks that it's not a detriment there. Uh, I, I don't know. I really every time every time I see this dude play, I'm like I slept on him again because yeah. he's better than he, I think he's better in reality than he is in my mind. But then you look at those games missed, man. It's scary. I'm trying to get on the right right telepathy there for that comment you just made. He's better in reality than he is in my mind. That's I need a minute to think about that. But I like him. In my mind, I he's a- just an average player. But oh, okay. He's pretty gotcha. good. I, I'd be pretty happy. Any Any fantasy league where I come away with him, around this range. I'm not going to be upset. And last year was a bad shot blocking year for him at 0.5. He was 0.7 the two years prior. So plenty to like about this guy. He'll play next season at 25 years old, by the way. So still some upside, as you said, and as we've talked about every year, he's gotten better in scoring 5.9 to 7.0 to 10.6 to 15.9 to 17.1. Are we reaching a plateau there soon? Maybe, but that plateau might be 18, 19 points per game. And he's also due for a healthy season, which would be a game changer all the way around. I'm all I'm all in. Ananobi in in the first round. Okay, we've agreed. Uh, Mo Bamba is another guy. I think I'm going to have a hard time taking him quite this early. After he averaged 10.6 points, 8.1 rebounds, 0.5 steals, 1.7 blocks, and 1.5 threes. There's a lot to like, but we also got him later than this in fantasy drafts. He's also a restricted free agent, so that's the big variable. It's hard to say where we should take him in fantasy and when we don't know where he's playing. But I'm going to tentatively say if Bamba's there in the middle rounds for me, I, I will gladly take him in the right situation. And I wonder what his stats would look like if you took out his, like, his five best games of the season. Yeah, I bet you his stats across the line would, would fall substantially because – that's the thing I remember about Mo Bamba last year is he would just have these monster nights yeah, where he would just do crazy things from three and blocks and points. and But generally, he's someone who doesn't really catch your eye the morning after in a box score. So I, I don't know. I need to see yeah. where he ends up. Inconsistent, but he's young. I mean, I, I think with all of that said, it's pretty encouraging that he put up these numbers. 
you know, is another way to look at it. Yeah. Despite that That's inconsistency. True, but I'm probably looking somewhere else for my okay. fifth round pick. Okay. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's also, I'm going to, I'm going to double check. This guy is pretty young still, Steve. He's 23. He well, should he, be. He turns 24 in a few days. So we can all celebrate and as, that. As, as Jared was talking about the other day, Jonathan Isaac, also known as Jonathan Isaac. Right, right. What if he comes back and actually plays basketball? For those of you who don't know who that is, <laughs> right. He's he used to play. Supposed to be a really good magic. for the Magic. All right. We have not really seen him play forever. So who knows? Number 54, CJ McCollum, who I think, based on his track record and what he did with New Orleans, which was 24.3 points, 4.5 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 1.3 steals, 2.73. He's probably going earlier than this in fantasy leagues, Steve. Zion or no Zion, I would say. That's my that's my hunch. I don't think I don't think you're gonna be sitting there in the fifth round of your draft and CJ McCollum just sitting there for you to take him. I think if CJ is sitting there in round five, it's automatic. You're excited to see him there and you take him. Reality, he's probably gonna go in the fourth round in most drafts, is what I would yeah. what I would think. Is Zion gonna come back and eat into some of his production next year? I don't know. He's also gonna yeah. space the floor if it if it happens. I mean, let's say Zion eats into some of his production a little bit. I mean, even if if I take CJ McCollum from you know, 24 points and six assists to, I don't know, 21 and five, you know, 21, four and five. I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty happy with that guy, you know? And, uh, there's, there's a lot to like here in New Orleans. What a weird season in New Orleans for CJ McCollum though. 49% field goal shooting career Mm -hmm. high, right? Free throw shooting was 67%, a career low. Yeah. So what what happened there, Matt? Can you explain that to me? I don't know. I have not thought about his free throw shooting. I mean, I know that with other players, we've seen some wild fluctuations year to year with that stuff. I I give you Ru- Russell Westbrook as one example of that. I would I would tend to think it's it's nothing to really uh, sweat too much. Dude, in 2016-17, CJ in 80 games shot 91% wow. from the line. That's crazy. Last season, in 36 games in Portland, he was at 71. And in 26 games in New Orleans, he was at 67. That's pretty wild. That's real weird. You know, that's weird. I mean, and then he has had, in the 2019-20 season, he shot 75.7%. So that was kind of a down year for him for an 81% career free throw shooter. He's also a pretty low-volume free throw shooter. Those 3.9 attempts he got with New Orleans would have been a career high over the course of a full season. So either way, he's not a guy who's really crushing your free throw percentage, even if for some reason he shot it lower than we expect. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm glad you flagged that because it's it's interesting, but I'm not I'm not gonna worry about it. Mikel Bridges was number 55 in nine category leagues. We've talked about Bridges a lot. I feel like, you know, he's around 14 points, four rebounds, a couple assists, 1.2 steals, 1.4 threes, only 0.4 blocks, which I find a little disappointing, but good percentages, never turns it over. And in the playoffs, Steve, he's been better, a little bit better across the board. We're talking about 14.6 points, 4.7 rebounds, three assists, one steal, 1.2 blocks, 1.0 threes. I mean, that's what I always kind of expect from Bridges. You know, the 0.4 blocks this year is a big letdown for me. And if you're going to tell me he's going to be better in blocks next year, then he's much higher on my draft board for whatever that's worth. Yeah, it was weird because that's a career low in blocks for him. He was at 0.9 the previous season. Yeah. The thing about Bridges, though, man, he he doesn't miss games, Mm -hmm. right? Hardly ever misses a game. 82 this year. Field goal percentage, rock solid. Great. Free throw percentage, 84% every single time right down the line. Yep. Great there. Gets you some rebounds. The assists are lacking, but he's not a point guard, so that's that's okay. Steals are there. They're always there. There's no turnovers mm-hmm. from this guy. He's so never turned over. In nine-cat league, nine-cat league, he's more valuable than he is in, in eight-cats. And then, like you said, the block potential for one block a game is there. Yeah. It just – went away this year i don't know why but i mean to me that the guy is just rock steady 
great glue guy for yeah. any fantasy team. I think he's safe anywhere from four to six rounds. I agree with every everything you just said. I think my only concern is in the, the fifth round, I'd still like to be swinging for the fences and not taking glue guys. That's my only concern. But if you've if you've had a first few rounds where you've taken some big swings and then you just like you know what, let me get some stability here. Then I think Bridges is your guy. Or if you've built a stack that. You, you don't have guys who turn the ball over. You yeah. don't have guys who, who miss free throws. Right. Maybe you keep it going and add him. Yeah. You know, it depends on how you're building your team. But safety is supposed to be the blueprint for Malcolm Brogdon. But Steve, for one big reason, it has not been in recent years. Now, look, this is a guy who, on a per game basis, the numbers continue to look quite good 19 points per game this year, around five rebounds, almost six assists, a steal. 1.63s, good percentages, low turnovers for a lead guard. But the issue, as people probably know, is he played 75 games as a rookie. And since then, here are his games played year by year. 48, 64, 54, 56, 36 this year. I mean, he's a good player. He just can't stay healthy, Steven. We, we have enough of a sample size here to where this is a real thing. And he's 29 years old. Matt, as you would say, the Pacers got a guy last year I like to call Tyrese Halliburton. Yes. Indie fans, are, indie fans are over Malcolm Brogdon. Get him out of here. Ship him. We're done. Let Tyrese have this thing and roll. <laughs> Brogdon is a good player, man. When he, he is, plays, he he's a really good player. He is. But he doesn't – you can't trust him. He doesn't play. Yeah. Always hurt. Numbers aren't mind-blowing enough that, that you – you must have him on your right. team. Like you, you can afford to let somebody else draft Malcolm Brogdon. And that's what I plan on doing across the board. We're in agreement there. Number 57 on a per game basis is going to be a different story. And that's Tyrese Maxey, who had a good regular season. What was he around 17 and a half points, you know, four assists, you know, the story. I want to tell you about his playoff numbers, which are 22 points per game, 3.6 boards, 4.2 dimes, 0.8 steals, 2.43. Steve, if there's, one thing I can say that I'm concerned about with Maxi, it is those defensive stats. During the regular season, just 1.1 combined steals and blocks. During the playoffs, it's just 0.9 combined steals and blocks. And the only reason I say that is because I think based on Maxi's breakout, he's going to he's gonna be flying up draft boards. I mean, I don't think he's there for you in the fifth round, is he? I wouldn't think so. I mean, I wonder where I drafted him this season because I took him everywhere. Yeah. I was. I knew my inside sources told me that Ben Simmons was never going to play basketball again. So I knew that I needed to have Maxi on my team. Yeah, you had Maxi. You were on the Maxi Maxi train early, and I'm going to be on the Maxi train again next season. Steals and blocks be darned. I I don't know what to say. I mean, he was. You talk about a breakout season. The other thing about these steals and blocks is the dude is so fast. Mm-hmm. Like he's the maybe the quickest guy in the NBA. Like you see him get a hold of a ball and take off going the other way. He's yeah, just he's fast. moving so much faster than everybody else. I there's no reason he can't average one and a half steals a game. Maybe it'll never happen, but I don't know why it wouldn't. I'm all in. I'll take Max in the fourth or fifth round next year. We can well if he's again maybe he won't be there in the fifth round based on based on what he's done in the playoffs. Just a few guys left here. This is fifty eight, and I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on these guys. In fact, I think we can just kind of quickly mention all three of them. Bobby Portis, number fifty eight, kind of had the perfect storm this year with Brooke Lopez missing almost all of the regular season. He's also we talked about him in our free agency episode last week. He has a player option for I think four and a half million, so it'll be. Worth noting what happens with that. You could easily see him declining that, re-signing with Milwaukee. Either way, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, maybe more of a platoon than it was this year, and Portis, therefore, maybe has a hard time duplicating his really good season this year. Tobias Harris, Steve, I'm going to tell you, is like the, the quintessential guy for this fifth round because kind of like Bridges, he's he's more floor than ceiling, but in the right team build, he's a really good pick. And Clay Thompson, um, in his 32 games, around 20 points, three and a half threes, not a lot else. So any any overwhelming thoughts on either of those final three guys? Did you see that Ty Maxi half-court alley-oop pass to Tobias Harris? I did. Uh, on Sunday did. to yeah. basically seal that game. That was pretty, that was pretty fun 
basketball to watch. Tobias Harris is is sort of like a Mikhail Bridges. Like yeah. He just seems safe, does what he needs to do, puts up solid numbers. Yeah, I, I think any of those guys. Is Clay going to be there in the fifth round? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think they're all – I think Portis and Clay and um, Tobias Harris are all solid solid fifth round picks yeah i mean I, portis is the guy I'm, I'm waiting to see how this offseason unfolds i think before i before i commit there but otherwise agreed with you uh any uh any final thoughts for you steve before we uh, go to this tales from the attic uh installment no i think we're good i think we're okay. good are we gonna do round six next next week or are we moving on to a different different format ah, this seems to be working i kind of like yeah one more round let we keep extending us, the I mean, deal just gives us a ch- chance to talk about guys we wouldn't normally talk about yeah i think we're i think we're going round six next week we're committing to it and meanwhile if you are listening on the podcast it is time for that latest installment of dr a's tales from the attic strange but true tales from the life of steve alexander as told from his attic stay with us for that on the podcast that's coming your way right now welcome to the latest installment of dr a's tales from the attic i'm matt straup with steve alexander Steve, we normally do these, and it's a story about you having an encounter with a basketball player, former NBA players, Rick Mahorn, Herb Williams, etc. But today, it's a change of pace, a different situation here. This is your encounter, somewhat basketball-related encounter, with a rock band. So set the stage for us. Uh, tell us about Guster. Well, Guster is always in the headlines because sometimes friend of the show, Brian Rosenworcel, comes on our podcast. And of course, that generates... <laughs> Just millions and millions of social media hits and and just Countless. huge, huge response. But also every year when March Madness rolls around, a CBS college basketball analyst, Matt Norlander, um, in order to separate his computer from all the other people in the media's computer when they when they have to leave him in a room or something, his almost got stolen one time. So to d- differentiate it, he put a Guster is for lovers sticker on his computer and it's this huge like car bumper sticker and it shows up in the final four every year but it's usually kind of obscure maybe if you only know who the band is you you would notice it but this past year for Mike Krzyzewski's final go Norlander's seat was directly behind Krzyzewski's head and Guster for Lovers sticker was was all over everywhere. There were all the sports talk shows were doing stuff about it, and it really they Guster was trending on Twitter. Trending, Matt. Yeah. yeah, and and so it turns out you actually have a, a quite a long history with this band. So set the stage for us. Tell us your origin story with Guster. Well, Matt, first of all, my wife and I went to see Guster play. We didn't really know anything about him. We just, I'd heard him on the radio or heard him somewhere, went and saw him play. And I actually took notes. This was July 20th of the year 2000 at the Vogue in Indianapolis. I wrote, the drummer went crazy with taped fingers and hitting cymbals. The band was funny. Great show. So those I'm, those assuming, I'm assuming that's on a crinkled, weathered treasure map-like piece of paper, I imagine. It's actually on my computer. Oh, wow. That's wow, very unanalog of you, Steve. Sorry, it's a Karen. word. It's an actual word document that I've, wow. I've had going since, since the beginning, I guess. A lot of it was transferred over. Anyway, so so Matt, I, that show obviously had an impact on me. They became one of my one of my sure. I really like that band. And they're my wife's favorite band, like that Lost and Gone Forever record that that concert tour was for. That's her favorite record of all time. So one day in 2010, I open up my email. And back in the 2010s, I would always write about music when I wrote Mm -hmm. my Daily Doses and stuff. And I titled a Daily Dose West of the Fields. I believe it had something to do with Delonte West at that time. Okay. I was going to say Landry Fields, but but fair enough, Delonte West. <laughs> I don't think Landry was a, was playing back then, but maybe he was. Maybe he we'll was. get the research team on it. I'm going to say he was. I get this email, and it says, Impossibly cool. My favorite song off of Murmur is West of the Fields. That reference has to fly over most of your readers' heads. And then he knew, I. that's right around the time I Stephen Malkmus and these interviews I was doing with people had come out. And he said, I met Malkmus at a party in Nashville. A few years ago, we talked about boring stuff like analog versus digital, and he was wearing a Stephen Malcolm's T-shirt, which I thought was hilarious. 
Uh, and then he said, if I'd known then I could talk to him about Kendrick Perkins, Tyrus Thomas, and Russell Westbrook, the conversation might have gone on for hours. Keep up the good work, Brian. <laughs> All right. So I'm like, well, that's a cool email. This guy is talking yeah. to me about music instead of exclusively basketball and not who, who do I play this week? Who do I cut? So right. I hit reply and the name Brian Rosenworcel pops up. And I was like, yeah, I, I know that name from somewhere, but I, I can't quite yeah. can't quite place it. So, of course, Matt, what do you do when that happens? You go to Google. Ask You ask Jeeves. Oh, okay. Google. You ask gotcha. Jeeves. Yeah. You go to the phone book. Yeah. And I, you get your magic eight ball out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I looked is at Google. This, is this emailer a musician? Shake the eight ball. Outcome looks uh, Okay, sorry. Carry on. So I go on Google. And sure enough, Brian Rosenworcel is the drummer for the rock band Guster who we'd seen 10 years earlier. This was in January, 2010 that I got this email. So of course I fire right back. I'm like, and I could read it, but I'm not, I'm not going to pull it up. I'm like, Brian, are you the drummer for the band Guster? And he replies back. Like, I don't even think I said, thanks for the email. I don't even think I acknowledge anything. I'm like, are you Guster's drummer? He replied back. He was something like, yes, I was scared to tell you because these cool indie bands you like, I'm sure you hate my band. And I was like, no, I love your band and my wife, you're actually my wife's favorite band. And so we went back and forth for a little bit. And um, at the end of our exchange, she's like, well, we're in Nashville recording our new, our new album. Um, you guys are welcome to come hang out if you want to. I'm, I'm picturing you slamming the laptop closed at this point, running through the house. We got yelling to your wife, like pack the bags. We're going to Nashville. <laughs> we gotta go. Is that Fire about accurate? Fire up the Cadillac. We're going Fire to Fire up the wagon treat wagon queen family truckster, hun. We're going to Nashville. <laughs> you go get Skylar out of school. I'll go get Chandler. All hands on deck. <laughs> we gotta uh, act now, now, now. Let's move people. <laughs> this is I'm the at, big one. I'm at the front door with a bullhorn. <laughs> this is the big one. Oh man, this is the one we've been waiting for. Don't <laughs> blow this for your father. I need this more than you know. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Oh boy. Okay, so yeah. yeah, you're probably not that not that far off of that. Yeah. If I enough. think if I if I look back on it, I get off the email because I think this went back and forth for like a long email chain for like an yeah. hour that morning. And the fact he just kept replying to me was was funny. And I'm sure he's like, is this guy ever going to stop? But then again, <laughs> yeah, unlike, my shoe, this unlike, unlike my shoe stories, uh, he contacted me. I was not like stalking some true. poor NBA player. So true. It was a true. nice change of pace for me. So right. I get off. So you I got, get, yeah, sure so you I get run off. in the car. You load up the I, car and you hit the road. I'm sure I get on the phone. I'm like, guess what? Because Casey, she has a real job and has to go to work every day in an office. I call her. I'm like, guess what? She's like, what? I'm like, Brian from Guster just invited us to Nashville. They're recording their record. She's like, oh my God, that's awesome. Let's go. Yeah, we throw everybody in the kid, throw throw everybody in the car that weekend, uh, head to Nashville. I, I don't remember if there were cell phones involved back then or what was going on, but we met brian didn't meet the whole band mm-hmm. just brian at a sports bar type restaurant mm-hmm. in nashville and hung out and he started telling us about his kids and we, he met my kids and we had dinner and we were just talking about he was talking a lot about basketball i was asking a lot about music which i have yeah. come to find that that's that's what these musicians i'm friends with a lot of them now and they they want to talk to me about basketball and i want to talk to them right. about music Sure. Um, what, any, what else stood out from that uh, dinner conversation that you guys had? Well, the, the thing that sticks out the most in my mind is you remember the notes I wrote from that concert is like he's hitting these real drums and yeah. these cymbals with his hands as hard as he can and so fast. And he's not playing traditional bongos. So I was like, dude, what does that do to your hands? He's like, you don't want to know, man. He's like, well, I've got nerve damage. I'm, I, I have to Jeez. super glue my split skin together after shows. Uh, and I was like, you super glue your fingers together? Like, what? 
And uh, and I know that when I saw him 10 years before that, his hands were all taped and there was talc powder and, and stuff involved in all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I mean, the, the guy has has literally beat the crap out of his hands uh, for most of his life. Yeah, I'm, there's got to be a better way than super glue. But I mean, it is it's incredible. Like we, Brian, I think he calls himself he either calls himself a percussionist or a bongo player, but he's not drummer's not the right word, right? I mean, even though that's kind of what he's called, he is he is a percussionist. This man is, as you said, just bashing the hell out of his hands. Well, Matt, you were not on that that podcast uh, the last time he well you were gone, so he was the guest host. I think he filled in for you, correct, uh, with me. And he told a story about how, well, he goes by Thunder God and right. he gave himself that nickname and he stole Watch. it. He stole it literally from Def Leppard. Uh, they're, they're one armed drummer. Um, yep. He stole it from them. So, but yeah, he goes by percussionist or Thunder God. But, and, and I think not, I'm not calling Brian old by any stretch, but the older he gets, the more he's playing with like traditional drumsticks and, and taking some of the, some of yeah. the anger off of his digits. That's fair. He's got to he's got to be able to type in the future when he joins our staff as a fantasy basketball analyst. You know, he's got to preserve those hands. He likes to refer to himself as a fantasy analyst. Uh, occasionally, he yes. And I wish I had I I wish I had the the text message he sent. He said something about tell Matt I'm not going to be his intern forever or something. Like that. <laughs> Okay, hope you enjoyed that. If you were listening on the podcast, you can also find the video version on NBC Sports Edge. That is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. As I said before, our schedule is just a tiny bit different this week. We're back on Wednesday, and then we're here on Thursday instead of Friday this week, so look out for us Thursday at noon. Uh, I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us. And thank you to you, Steve. I shall talk to you soon. Goodbye. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.